insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. We are back. Thanks again for listening. This is hour three of the program, and it will go by quickly. So if you've been wanting to be on the air with your comment or question, maybe you need a second opinion or whatever it may be, call this number, 888-914-9149. That number is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters, 888-914-9149. Emails can go to patrick at relevantradio.com. Young Thomas, I see we have... Huh. We have a call from Crookston. Looks like it's Bishop Cousins, the Bishop of Crookston. Is that right? Yeah, it looks like it. Hey. Oh, well, hello, Bishop Cousins. Welcome. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks for letting me call in. Such a delight to hear your voice. Oh, uh, thank you. Always such a fan of your show. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate hearing that. How are things in Crookston? I, things are great, you know, and uh, up here in Crookston, as well as the rest of the United States, we're getting ready for the National Eucharistic Congress this summer, yeah. July 17 to 21. And I just wanted to call in because I have this sense that there are people out there who've been thinking, you know, maybe I should go to that. And I just think it's such an important event for our country and what's going to happen there. And I really think we're going to mm-hmm. look back on that event and say, wow, something changed there. And I just wanted yeah. to offer an encouragement to anybody who's out there who might be doubting, well, maybe I should go. I'm not sure if I should register. I know Relevant Radio has a group that's going, and you can, you can get on through their website. There's plenty of ways to register at the National Eucharistic Congress, at the EucharisticCongress.org website. Your diocese probably has a group going. You can check out oh, that. Oh, yeah. I've been seeing a lot of, a lot of uh, promotion about that. Um, it seems to be a lot of momentum gathering. That's my impression. Yeah. You know, uh, we have well over 30,000 people already registered. We're hoping to get up to 50, even 80,000 on the weekend, you know. You can get a five-day pass or a day pass, and maybe just to give you a taste, I know I know Relevant Radio is going to be there. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, um, and I know that you know you'll be there, Patrick, and others. But mm-hmm. just to give you a taste, you know, the mornings will really be these kind of impact sessions with some of the best speakers uh, in in our country. It's yeah. just every Catholic speaker. Go to the website; you're going to find them there. And then in the afternoons will be these kind of equipping sessions, really focused on how we become the missionaries that we're called to be in our world today and how the Eucharist is really the heart of the missionary and how to live that Eucharistic life. And then the evenings are what we're calling the revival session. Imagine thousands, tens of thousands of people gathered in Lucas Oil Stadium uh, for an incredible speaker and then a time of adoration and really, you know, there's an image I've had in my heart since the beginning of this process, which is that opening night, Wednesday night, Lucas Oil Stadium, when we process the Blessed Sacrament into that stadium, and, you know, 50,000, 80,000 people kneel, (laughs) and they adore the Lord, and we ask the Lord, Lord, you're the Lord of this country. Send your Holy Spirit upon our country. We are the Church of the United States, and we're gathered here to beg you for the revival that the bishops have called for. So, I just it's going to be an incredible spiritual moment and I hope Catholics will take advantage of the sacrifices necessary to make a pilgrimage to come. No doubt. I mean as you're describing I'm trying to picture it in my mind Bishop Cousins the how, how many people are expected to be in that arena that evening. You know, I think we can seat in the arena somewhere between 50 and 60,000 people. 
Wow. Of course, we have overflow spaces if we need to do that, and we could, we would rotate people in in and out at different nights mm -hmm. if we needed to do that. So nobody should feel it can be turned away, but uh, we're really hoping to have a full stadium. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, just, I've, I've never been in there, but I've heard people say that it's just a, a great venue, and of course, all the the talks that will be given. Yeah, as you say, I will be there. Father Rocky will be there. Cyrus will be there, and a bunch of us from Relevant Radio will be doing our shows live from there. So I'm excited about going, honestly, and I'm happy to hear that things are are really beginning to gain momentum. Did I hear correctly, Bishop Cousins? I heard this just the other day that the U.S. bishops had have started a, a tuition fund for those who would like some assistance with yes. what it costs to go. Is that right? Yeah, we have a very large solidarity fund um, that the bishops themselves from gave, gave, and diocese gave to. And so there's, there really is no cost barrier. If, if people can't afford it, they can go on the website, eucharisticcongress.org, and click on the Solidarity Fund, and we can make the, the, the pass really quite affordable for anybody who needs it. So, okay. And we also even have you know, inexpensive housing through parishes and schools. If, if, uh, you know, if we want a lot of youth groups are going to be doing that kind of housing. So I, I hope that affordability is not the issue um, it you know might require some sacrifices to get there, but we're mm -hmm. going to try to make it as cheap as we can for those who come. It's really about the spiritual experience and the spiritual opportunity that it, it offers us as a church. For sure. Well, that is exciting. I mean, I'm I'm really glad that you thought of calling in today and, and giving us an update on that. I'm sure you're busy with a million things. <laughs> I can only imagine how many things you have to take care of, and this is yet another one. But it's an important one, isn't it? It is, and uh, it's been really a great privilege to see the Holy Spirit at work really throughout the whole Eucharistic revival. Um, you know, this wasn't a project that I invented in a certain way. It was given to me as the chair mm -hmm. of the Bishop's Committee on Evangelization and Catechesis, but I did help to build it with really experts in evangelization from across the country. And just to see the Holy Spirit at work has been really powerful. A lot, this Lent, a lot of parishes are doing our Jesus in the Eucharist Bible study. It's a, it's a, it's a small group study that takes people through the the basic gospel message and also how the Eucharist fulfills that. Mm -hmm. And anyone can do it online at our eucharisticrevival.org website. But a lot of parishes, we have really thousands of parishes. I think we have 8,000 parish point persons, which is almost half the parishes in the United States are doing this this um, small group study. So it's really incredible. Wow. Well, it's, it is exciting. I know it's going to be here before we know it. And um, again, I'm really grateful for your taking time out of your busy day to call in today. I'm glad to know that you listen to the program. Any final thoughts or, or encouragement you want to leave with people before we have to turn you back no, to your regular duties? Just uh, please prayerfully consider making this sacrificial pilgrimage to show up for Jesus, as Father Rocky's been saying. Mm -hmm. If for some reason you can't make it, you can listen on Relevant Radio to the whole thing. And uh, Relevant Radio, we're so grateful, we'll be covering the whole thing. But I think it's really going to be worth it. If you're on the fence and you're discerning, ah, I don't know, I've been thinking about going Mm -hmm. Go to your, uh, go to the website, either the diocese website or the EucharistCongress.org website, and make that commitment because it's going to be a huge blessing for the Church of the United States. Indeed, it will. Well, thank you so much, Bishop Cousins. Thank you for taking time, and I'm looking forward to seeing you when we get there. All right, God bless you, Patrick. All right, thanks so much. Boy, he had a crystal clear connection. Listen to that. 888-914-9149. Feel free to call now. We have lines open. Let's go to Julie in Byron, Illinois. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Patrick. Um, thank you for your, your mission. I really oh, you're welcome. grow so much in my faith. Um, with you. all of Relevant Radio, 
yes. Um, so since Catholics need to be careful about how the Bible is interpreted, mm-hmm. what resources can we use to study the Bible? Um, you know, a concordance, or is there a Catholic series of um, Bible studies that we can use? Mm-hmm. Um, there sure are. So okay. uh, I know this is going to make a listener in West Covina, California, very happy. His name is Craig, and he's a faithful listener. Shout out. And he will be happy to hear me recommend to you what's called the Didache Bible, which is a, I believe the text is the New American Bible. I'd have to double check that. But it's it's okay. got a large amount of footnotes and references from the Catechism, the Church Fathers, uh, so that would be a good way in terms of the notes that are in the Bible itself. Um, I also would recommend resources by Dr. Scott Hahn, who's a world-class Bible scholar. Yeah, he has yes. what's called uh, the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. Are you familiar with that? Yes, I am. But okay. So I would order a book, for example, just on Mark, or would I yeah. order an entire Bible with a concordance or... You can do either. So if you wanted to dig deep into a specific book or maybe a series of books, like, say, the Gospels, for example, you can get mm-hmm. individual Bible texts that have commentary about that book of the Bible, um, the okay. Didache version of the Bible, and there are some others like it as well, would have the commentary and the footnotes. So you'd have the text of the Bible as a Bible, but you'd also have the footnotes there as well. Sure, so sure. that's another way to go about it. <clears throat> okay, that's wonderful. Thank you okay. so much. You're, God you're welcome, Julie. Good chatting. 888-914-9149. I don't know if I'm reading this right, but it looks like we have three little girls on the air right now. Ruth, Emma, and Alina. Is that right? In Gilbert, Arizona? Um. Yeah, it's just two of my sisters and me. <laughs> okay. Sorry. And which one are you? Um, Luke. Oh, you're Luke. Okay, I saw Ruth. Yeah. I didn't see Luke. So Luke and Emma and Alina, is that right? Yes. How old are you, Luke? 11. And how old is Emma? Nine. And how old is Alina? Seven. Okay, and are all three of you on the phone right now? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I have one question and my sisters both have one question. I'm ready. Um, my question is, is it, I know that the day before Ash Wednesday is a holiday called Fat Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I, I know people eat a lot on that day and to get ready for fasting. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if, how, if that's not bad because isn't that one of the seven deadliest sins? So have too yeah. much gluttony. You're thinking about gluttony. That's the name for that sin. That's probably what you're thinking about, right? Where people eat too much food? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're raising a good point, Luke. So Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras, as it's said in French, is a time of celebration where people, let's say they're planning to give up chocolate or meat or some other thing that they like to eat. During Lent, this is like their last big hurrah. They're going to eat it on Mardi Gras, on Fat Tuesday. Now, 
some people, they do pig out, that's true, and they overeat, that's not good, and it can be a sin, that's true. But you don't have to do that. In fact, you're not supposed to do that. Um, you can eat you can eat more. You can eat, you know, the fun foods that maybe you're not going to have during Lent. So it's intended to be kind of a party, kind of a celebration, getting ready for Lent. Um, but it doesn't mean that you have to or even should eat a lot of food or too much food. You could go yeah. overboard. I bet you didn't do that, though, right? You probably didn't commit the sin of gluttony, I'm pretty sure. No, we just um, celebrate Valentine's Day on that day instead of celebrating it on Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. I'm really glad to hear that you're aware of this reality of overeating. Not everybody knows about that or thinks about it. We have to be moderate in our consumption of food and other things, too, but... You can eat and enjoy the food and maybe have a little bit more if you want to. But when gluttony, it, when it becomes the sin of gluttony, especially it's for people who eat way more than they need to eat. And it's just for the pleasure. And that's not good because then you're using a good thing to excess. Do you know that term excess? Do you know what that means? Yeah, just like a little more. Yeah, or way like too much more. more. Mm -hmm. It means too much. Yeah. So we want to do everything that in a way that is not too much or not too little. So you don't want to eat too little food where you wind up getting sick or maybe you would die. But you don't want to eat too much food because it would be excessive. So you want to be right in the middle. Okay. Good job. Um, Were there any other questions? Yeah, I'm just going to pass it over to my sister, Alina, and then she's going to pass it over to my older my younger sister, Emma. Sounds good. Thank you for the call, Luke. Hello? Hi, is this Alina? Yeah. Good morning. Welcome to the Patrick Madrid Show. You're on the air. Um, my question is, is it bad to be a when church ends. <laughs> Tell me about that. How do you mean that? Like on Super Bowl, I was excited for Super Bowl and I was excited for church to end. Because you wanted to get home and watch the game? Well, and I wanted to go home and play outside. I can't blame you. I bet the weather was nice in Gilbert, Arizona. No, that's not a, it's not bad. Um, God, when you're at Mass on Sunday, you're there to focus on whom? Who do you focus on when you're at Mass? Jesus. Right. And you love Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when you're at Mass, you're focusing on Jesus, you're praying. Have you made your first Holy Communion yet? No. Okay, so that's coming. So that's good. You're there at Mass, you love Jesus, and you are focusing on Him. But He understands that even when you're at Mass, you might get hungry and start thinking about food, or you might be excited because you're going to go outside and play when you get home from Mass. He understands that. He knows that you're not you know, ignoring Him. He knows that you love Him, and that sometimes other we call them distractions. You know what that word means, a distraction? 
Yeah. You know, when you're thinking about one thing and then some other idea comes into your mind and you're thinking yeah. about that, I think that's what this was. You you were getting distracted and excited because you knew you were going to have fun when you got home from Mass. I don't think that's bad. I think it's just you were doing the best you could, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you do the best you can. You love Jesus. You say your prayers. You try to focus. And uh, if you get distracted by something like that, Jesus understands. Okay. Okay. Does that help you? Yeah, I'm going to give the phone to Emma. Sounds good. Thank you, Alina. Hi. Hi. This is Emma, right? Yeah. Okay. How old are you, Emma? Nine years old. Wonderful. I remember being nine years old. So what is your question? Um, my question is, like, is it bad to, like, make, make a wish with a four-leaf clover or, like, make a wish at 11-11? You mean, like, wish for something that you want and you do it at 11 11 on the clock? Um, yeah. Like when the time is, like if that was a lucky time to make a wish, is that what you mean? Yeah, like to yeah. believe in luck. Well, it's. I wouldn't say it's bad. No, it's not bad to wish upon a four-leaf clover. Some people, they make a wish when there's a shooting star. You look up in the sky at night, and there's a shooting star. Some people will make a wish. Some people will throw coins into a, a, a fountain and make a wish when they throw the coin in for good luck, things like that. Those are what are called superstitions, and they don't really bring you good luck. They don't really, you know, it's not as though unless you wish upon a four-leaf clover, you're not going to get your wish. It's not like that because... Four-leaf clovers, that's just a plant. But it's a, it's a custom that is kind of superstitious, but it's, I would say it's harmless. You're not doing anything bad or sinful if you do that, especially if because you're Catholic and you love Jesus that you know that all good things come from God anyway. And what some people call good luck really is God's providence, his plan for all of us to give us the things we need, to give us blessings and things like that. So it seems to me that even if you made a wish a wish on a four-leaf clover or you threw a quarter into a fountain and made a wish, or when you blow out the candles on your birthday cake and you make a wish, there's nothing wrong with that. Those are just fun little things, but they don't really mean anything. It's not like you're really going to get your wish if you blow out all your birthday candles. But it's kind of fun to make a wish, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like that. Does that help you? Yeah. Okay. Any other Thank questions you. or did we cover it all? Um, I think we covered it all. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm glad you kids called in today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Say thanks to your mom, too. Coming right back right after this.
This hour sponsored by Christendom College. Send your child to Christendom College's high school summer program, The Best Week Ever. Use promo code RELEVANTRADIO and get 50% off. Spots fill up very quickly, so apply today at thebestweekever.com. That's thebestweekever.com. Keeping it relevant. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Hey, Heather, thank you for the note that you just sent me a few minutes ago about the little girl being excited for Mass to end. <laughs> and the song lyrics that you sent me, I got it and I appreciate that. The the lyric in question is, I'll tell you there ain't nothing that'll test your faith like a long sermon on a pretty Sunday. That's well put. Thank you, Heather. Appreciate that. Uh, back to the phones. Let's go now to James in Stockton. Good morning, James. Welcome. Good morning, Patrick. So I have a... Um, actually, let me take you off speaker. Sorry. That would be great. Okay. Thanks. Can you... Yeah. Um, so I have a, a question, um, question, comment, and a prayer request. Hopefully I can get some more pretty quick. So my uh, question is, uh, so we found out yesterday, my youngest daughter, who's 18, um, she found out her boyfriend of, I'm assuming, three to four months now, um, views pornography. Mm-hmm. So um, I struggled a lot growing up with with pornography and into my marriage, and mm-hmm. praise be to God, I've I've stopped um and i haven't had the urge to go back to do it but the the effects and the problems obviously were there because of it um and so it hit me hard and i want you know this happened last night we found out i i'm on my way back home and i'm hoping that she wants to conversate about it Uh, but i'm you know i guess i'm calling for advice as to how i should go about it being that you know that was a problem of mine and knowing the problems that it caused you know in my wife in my you know and in my marriage the 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 hurt the pain and the damage i caused that you know she so yeah that's that's my question maybe you have some resources you know i I can use i do indeed and you know i i can understand why you want to be so attentive to this problem given your own struggle with it over time. This is, by the way, something that is very, very common, um, both, unfortunately, for men and women, and young men and young women, and even younger than that. So it, it, it's largely as a result of the, red, red, excuse me, the... It's readily available, and on your phone, it's just everywhere. So we have to be careful and strong to resist it. it can be done, but it's difficult, especially nowadays. So the first thought that comes to my mind, James, would be that you might be, have a heart-to-heart talk with this young man and share with him. Say, you know, I was once your age. I was once in the same situation you're in now. And I can tell you from experience, this is very destructive and it's going to mess you up in ways that you can't even imagine. If you, if you allow it to, if you go further down this road, it's going to mess you up. And even though I've only known you for three or four months, um, I don't want to see that happen to you. And all the more so because if you're going to be friends with my daughter, she's my daughter, and I'm going to protect her. So I just want you to know from my heart, this is a really bad and destructive path that you're on. I'll be happy to give you advice. I'll be happy to give you resources. But it's not something that I want in my daughter's life. So if you are 
willing to struggle against this and fight against it and get free from it, then maybe there's a future there. If you're not, well, then just be aware that I'm going to be the obstacle between you and my daughter. And, you know, you don't say it in an angry way. You say it in a kind, fatherly way. Show compassion. Show empathy. And you have plenty of empathy, don't you, James? Because you've been there. So I would recommend, at least in terms of your conversation with him, that it be fatherly and gracious and um, not harsh, not condemning or anything like that. But lay it on the line and just say, she's my daughter, and I will be that brick wall between you and her if you're not willing to move away from this. FYI. Now, resources, they're in abundance, thankfully. They're, you could suggest, well, you can get an accountability partner. It could be your father. It could be me. It could be somebody else. Uh, put some accountability software on your phone and or your laptop. I don't know how many kids have laptops much anymore. Maybe they do for school. I don't know. But the fact is you can get Covenant Eyes software. You can get Accountable to You software. And there are different products that you put it on there and then other people will know if you go on one of these porn sites or something and there are other controls and restrictions that you can add to it and those are good and you should recommend that to them and and just say you know i know i'm not your dad if your dad is willing to do this for you i would encourage you to check with him he could be your accountability partner um, but you have to take some steps in order to to, to help to curtail this and get away from it. If you just try to do it on sheer willpower, more often than not, you're going to fail because you may say, well, I'm not yeah. going to look at it. And then a week later you fall back into it or what have you. Yeah. That, that um, doesn't work. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't work. And I mean, it may work for some people, but generally it requires some type of external fence to help with that. I recommend the work by Steve Wood. Do you have a pen? I'll give you a website. Yes. Okay, it's it's easy. Dads.org. Dads, D-A-D-S dot org. Steve Wood is the uh, proprietor. I've known him for many years. Good, good man. And he knows what he's talking about when it comes to all these type of issues, including this one. He's given countless talks at men's conferences to men struggling with pornography addiction, etc. So when you go to dads.org, go to resources and scroll down and there's a whole section on pornography addiction. So there are, <clears throat> there are um, apps, there are books, there are digital downloads of talks. There's a lot there that you can choose from. And uh, I would say start there, and you'll get a lot of good information, a lot of good resources. And you can share them with this young man. Now, the last thing I'll mention is I would have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with your daughter. She's even more important than the young man in question. He may or may not stay in her life for much time. Who knows? We'll see. But in the meantime, right. she's your daughter. So I would have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with her. Let her know in a loving, compassionate way that her daddy is standing up for her and her daddy is going to defend her because you love her. And make, make her aware. I'm sure she already is, but just verbalize it, you know, that you And you don't have to, obviously, it's up to you how much you want to tell her about your own struggles with this or don't tell her anything. It's up to you. I mean, obviously, you have to gauge that. But as right. a father, I would make sure that she knows and she'll be able to, for the rest of her life, know my father was my defender. My father was my guardian. My father loves me so much. 
that he was willing to get into the middle of a relationship with a guy looking at porn rather than just let me float and see what happens. It's so important for a father to communicate that to his daughter. And she'll thank you for it. Um, okay? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then um, I've got a, a prayer request. Uh, I called yesterday, uh, Drew Mariani show, and uh, mm-hmm. during the Divine Mercy. And uh, for my wife, we she's uh, she had cancer uh, in the thyroid. They removed it. Uh, she is cancer-free, but uh, the, she has these last few uh, weeks, uh, we found out her iron's like really low, and we're just going back and forth to appointments to make sure that they can figure out what that is and why, and and hoping that it's not something to to where it's going to make her, you know, decline more, or a possible chance that there might be more cancer, or you know, things of that sort. So if you guys can keep her in. In, uh, we my will. Prayers, what prayers. is what is your wife's first name that we might pray for her by name? Esmeralda. Esmeralda. We will certainly pray for Esmeralda. May the Lord give her the the healing that is His will for her. Well, thank you, James. Um, I hope that this conversation bears some good fruit. Um, give it some thought. Check out what Steve Woods got to offer at dads.org. There are other fine resources. Matt Frad's got fine resources. There are others out there. I don't mean to slight anybody. But um, I think that Steve Wood's a good place to start. Thanks, James. Uh, let's go now to Sandra in San Diego. Hi, Jan- or, hi, Sandra. Well, hi, Patrick. Um, so I've been homeschooling my kids for many, many years. One mm-hmm. is already in a Catholic college now. So okay. um, because of my work situation, and now they're going to the, a classical school. It's called Classical Academy, and I've been having some concerns about mm-hmm. that because it's not officially a Protestant school, but... Every teacher there, every, it's basically Protestant run, okay. but they don't teach religion. So I was okay. just wondering if that's a problem since they're going there a few times a week and it's a hybrid. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't say one way or the other, but I can offer some general principles that you might want to think about. One would be that if the school curriculum itself is not, you know, like in any overt way religious, um, there still, of course, could be proselytizing on the part of the teachers. Have you noticed any, I mean, have you had enough contact with the school to be able to tell one way or the other if they are, whether we call it proselytizing or evangelizing the students there? Do you know that? Or is it just you're you're wondering about that? they're not doing that. They're definitely not doing that. It's just that all the other kids that are in their classes are Protestant. Um, They do say there's God, so that's great. But... um, no, and they listen to Patrick Madrid a lot, so they would be able to defend themselves. Mm, <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like there are any red flags, you know, that jump out at me. If you sent your kids to the school and it's not a it's not a sectarian school, it's not a religious school, there's no overt religious proselytization or anything. And yet, if there were some overtones of that among the teachers or something, then you could probably fall back and regroup and decide what to do next semester or next year. But it's also a good learning experience for your kids. You know, you say you're prepared and you can be more prepared and let's see how it works out. And if you see that they're looking at you sideways because you're a Catholic, let us know. And who knows, it could be an experience for your children to grow in their own conviction of their faith. 
I don't recommend sending Catholic kids to overtly Protestant schools because very often they become targets for, for being proselytized, and often they wind up leaving the Catholic Church. But this doesn't sound like that kind of a situation. It's not at all. And if I was not a single parent, they would be going to a Catholic school. But um, I am, so I have to do the best that I can. And it seems, and I'm using Seton books to teach them. So for a religion, for example, I use Seton. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do notice there's an overtone there at the school, like, no, you can't use religious material. I can tell that that there's a little anti-Catholicism there, but it's not overt. It's not terrible. I would keep a close tab on that, keep a watch on that. So if you do wind up sending your kids there, if that, if you, what you see as what looks a little bit like anti-Catholicism, if you see that increase or it becomes a problem, then jump on that. Um, You can even have a conversation with the, you know, whoever it is you'd be interviewing with, the administrator, the principal, whoever, and just say, my kids are Catholic, we're Catholic, we follow Jesus, we love Jesus, we read the Bible, and I would like to know if that's going to be something that will be an issue one way or the other if my kids are going here, and see what they say. And they may say, oh, Mm -hmm. go ahead, Sandra. Oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. It's um, They're just, the problem is that they're switching to going there now in high school, my daughter's going to go there four times a week. So that's where I started getting concerned. That's all. But otherwise, it's a good school. You're good to be attentive to this. Not all parents are vigilant, but you are, and that's great. So keep close tabs on it. Yeah, and, you know, just ask the kids, how's it going? What are you hearing? Anything out of the ordinary? And if there is, you take action. If there's not, then hopefully it'll be smooth sailing. I hope that helps, Sandra. Thank you. Coming right back with more of the Patrick Madrid Show right after this. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance company not available in all states. Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Patrick a call. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid on Relevant Radio. Let's see. Let's go to Clearwater, Florida and talk to Richard. Good morning, Richard, and welcome. Hello, Patrick. Hi there. Oop, I'm off the speaker phone. <laughs> you can hear me well, right? I hear you pretty well, more or less. What's on your uh, mind? Okay. Well, well, I'm a cradle Catholic, grade school, beautiful IHM nuns, both to St. Francis de Sales, mm-hmm. become a big shot. I get elected to city council. Of course, I'm in my early 40s. I, uh, you know, I was in the military and everything. I'm, I'm in my early 40s. I cheat on my wife, marry somebody else, and I have two sons. My older son's in his 40s. My younger son's is only 38. I get in trouble, go to federal prison for five years. And my younger son, I come back, he's addicted to opiates. Okay. And I just can't, you know, he's on methadone now. You know, I'm, I'm supporting him. I'm in Clearwater. He's back up northeast in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, I just can't afford the, the I don't have much left, you know. And I'm, mm-hmm. I can't do both. Everybody's like, cut him loose. And I, I just can't do that. And I, don't, I don't think it was my fault. I mean, I do sometimes. 
the way I treat it, it has no interest in church. He says, yeah, yeah, I, I went to St. Dominic's and there were some nice girls there. I said, you're not going to look for girls, right? Because, you know, it's just, I don't know what to do. I did ask. Okay, so you're you're at an impasse because he has gone off the rails. And, yeah, well, uh, he's, you know, he's allegedly sober, but, you know, he probably still smokes two packs of cigarettes a day, maybe smoking marijuana because they think that's honest. How old is he? He shall be 38 in March. Here's what I would recommend, Richard. Get in touch with the good mm -hmm. people at the Chinacolo community there in Florida. As a matter of fact, uh, I can tell you exactly where they are. They're in Jacksonville, so not too far from you. Uh, okay. A little further north from you. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. A little further. <laughs> it's good. But, you know, it's worth the drive. Um, I would go check oh, out this oh, place. Yeah, so here's the website hopereborn.org hopereborn.org Chinacolo is an Italian word for the cenacle, the upper room there Jesus, where Jesus celebrated the Last Supper and they specialize in helping young adults and even older adults get out of the grip of addiction alcohol, drugs, etc. So it is amazingly, maybe even miraculously there is no cost to this so benefactors keep them going and they rely upon the mercy and the providence of Almighty God. But young men and women go there, and they live there in community, and it's all very much by the book, so there's no shenanigans or anything, but the, they live in community, they have daily Mass, they get reconnected with God, they learn how to work and play and pray and have good, healthy relationships and get out of their addictions. So why don't you start there? It's in your backyard hopereborn.org. Take a, take a ride up there and visit with them and talk to them about your son's situation. And if he's willing, then he should come and visit with them and see if there's a good fit there. And if there is, then I think the road to recovery would be bright for him. And uh, that would be something that I would check out if I were you, Richard. Okay, I hope that's helpful to you. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Margaret now in Sutton's Bay, Michigan. Good morning, Rock. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Patrick. Yes. Um, uh, Sunday's Gospel um, talked about Jesus healing the leper, and mm -hmm. he was made clean, and he said, do not tell no one anything. So it didn't sound like he was punished for that. But um, that's happened more than once in the Bible, in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. But in the Old Testament, Lot's wife was turned to a pillar of salt for not for turning back when she mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, so in the first case, so that this reading was from Mark chapter 1, the leper who asked Jesus, I know that if you wish to make me clean, you can do so. And Jesus said, I do, will it be made clean? And immediately the leprosy left him. So that story that Jesus, that we read about Jesus, concludes with Jesus saying, uh, see that you tell no one anything but go show yourself to the priest. The next verse, the man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. So he did exactly what Jesus told him not to do. Now, I know you know this, but for people listening who don't know, that's what he's referring to here. This is called the Messianic secret, and it's, Bible scholars recognize that in the Gospels, many times Jesus performs a miracle or he imparts some blindingly brilliant teaching, and he tells the people who have just been healed or whatever— 
don't tell anyone about this. The reason for that messianic secret is it wasn't their role to to tell the good news about Jesus. He wanted to be made known to the people in a particular way, and by particular people, his disciples whom he sent forth. And within his group of disciples, the inner circle would be the apostles. So we see people who are blind from birth or lame or possessed by demons or something, and he tells them, don't tell anybody about this, but he doesn't punish them for doing so. I think we could read into those passages the kind of dumbstruck amazement that you or I would feel if you had been cured of some unimaginable disease and on the spot you're suddenly better now. How would you contain yourself? How would you how would you not bubble over with enthusiasm and excitement and tell people about what Jesus had done for you? And I think Jesus understood that. He re- he realized he told them strictly don't say anything, but he knew that they would anyway. So he he didn't punish them. And now we look in Genesis and we see the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and God telling uh, Lot and his family, get out and get out now and don't look back. And she does look back and she was converted to a pillar of salt. Why did she? Why was she punished that way? Well, I think in this case, the difference is that she did not have faith. So she was punished for her lack of faith, for her disbelief. She was told, do this. She didn't believe it. Moses was punished when he was told by God when they were wandering in the desert in the book of Genesis, or in the book of Exodus, rather. Strike the rock with your staff once, and water's going to come out. And Moses doubted God. What did he do? He struck the rock twice. And he was punished for his lack of belief. Zechariah, the father of St. John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1, what happens? He's told by the angel Gabriel, guess what? You and your wife are old, but you're going to have a child. And Zechariah doubted the angel, and he was punished. He was struck dumb. He was mute until the time that St. John the Baptist was born. That was his punishment. The angel Gabriel says almost exactly the same thing, at least in kind. You're going to have a baby to the Blessed Virgin Mary. She is not punished because she did not doubt. All she went through was not understanding how it could happen. She says, how can this be? She wasn't doubting. So I would propose to you that the difference is that the leper in Mark chapter 1 and all the other folk who were cured by Jesus, they had faith. They came to faith. They, they witnessed the power of the Lord Jesus Christ healing them. So they had tons of faith, whereas the wife of Lot had no faith. That's why she turned around, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Does that clarify it better for you? Yes, it does. Thank you very much. I've always wondered that because I would have been tempted to turn around and look myself. I think we all would be, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I wondered. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Margaret. Always good chatting. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. We'll go now to Robert in Fountain Valley, California. Hi, Robert. Good morning. My name uh, is uh, Robert James Orr, and uh, I have been uh, a Catholic since uh, birth in uh, Chicago and uh, became very active in the church, uh, attending Mass. And the, the, the Our Father that we pray mm-hmm. uh, in, during Mass with Jesus in the Holy Eucharist is something that's been on my mind for a while, and that, and particularly the part where we pray for God's will to be done on earth that is in heaven. Uh, I believe God's greatest gift is the gift of life, and... Uh, that is being attacked 
by our country very vehemently, even more now after uh, the Roe v. Wade was overturned. And I'm just wondering if there isn't some uh, responsibility on the church to be expressing what our, our what we pray for uh, and making that uh, making what God's way in heaven is making his way on earth. So I'm curious if you have a viewpoint on that particular terminology being prayed, standing before Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, praying for God's will be done on earth. I I tried hard to follow your question, Robert. I'm not really sure what the exact question is. Would you mind reframing it for me and say one sentence? Yeah, yes. Sorry, I was running on. Uh, I I think the prayer of the Our Father, particularly praying it in front of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist in every Mass, we are praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right. And as a Catholic, uh, I was a Democrat most of the 36 years of my life until I came back into the country uh, where I learned that Roe v. Wade had passed. And uh, I got active in a a local group. Tell me about, uh, sorry for my interruption, but tell me about the Our Father question, though. What about the Our Father are you wondering about? Well, when we pray for uh, for God's will to be done on earth, mm-hmm. when we're praying the Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy mm-hmm. kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it right. is in heaven. What we Do we have a responsibility as Catholics praying that, particularly standing before Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, to be actually doing things to help his will be done on earth? I think yeah, yes, now I understand your question. Yes, but th- that we don't have, and we don't all have the same duty to do the same things. So let's imagine your aged mother, if she were alive, maybe she is alive, and let's say that she's in a rest home, and she's not able to, to really do much of anything other than attend to her day-to-day needs, she's not obligated to do something that maybe you might be obligated to do if you have an opportunity to uh, to share the faith. Let's say that your grandchildren um, are visiting and your your son, who is their father, no longer practices the faith and no longer goes to Mass. Well, you would have an obligation because of your relationship to your grandchildren to do what you can, let's say, getting them to Mass praying with them, uh, helping to revive their faith. There are certain, you might say, obligations that would fall to you that wouldn't fall to your mother if she were in a rest home. So the reason I say these examples is to say, in, in, a, in an abstract sense, yes, we all have an obligation to do what we can. What does Jesus say? To love God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And for each of us, it will take different forms in terms of helping our neighbor. It'll be something different for me than it might be for you, etc. Um, if that's what you're asking about, I think the answer is unequivocally yes. I've been. I was wondering that. I wound up uh, uh, changing my. I, I I chose when I was 37 years old. I chose my professed faith over my political identity as a Catholic, and I registered out of the party because of their yeah. pro-abortion position. And I've been working 
Robert, I don't have time for those details. I'm okay. afraid. Forgive me. Are you are you at all worried about maybe making up for lost time and maybe redressing no, some of the mistakes? I'm worried. I'm concerned that our Catholic brothers and sisters are choosing their political identity over their professed faith. That's true for some people. It's probably true for many people. And um, yeah, it's unfortunate and it's, to say the least. And, and we, had, we were able to get somebody that uh, put together a Supreme Court that overturned Roe v. Wade after 50 years or whatever. I think we're out of time, Robert. I, I apologize. We're at that point now where the music's just about to play. Thanks for the call. Um, if only there were more time, but there isn't. So we'll have to pick it up and do it again tomorrow. Same Pat time, same Pat channel. And in the meantime, as I always ask of you, please pray for me. I'll pray for you. By the way, um, in Numbers chapter 20, God told Moses to speak to the rock and he struck it with his staff. But in Exodus chapter 17, God told Moses to strike it with his staff and he struck it twice. And that's why he got punished. Little tidbit for you there. I'll pray for you. Please pray for me. See you tomorrow.